Everybody, this is We Too Deep, and this is another episode of the Slapping Me to Wrestling podcast. I'm recording this um, in a, uh, Thursday morning, and I say that because a lot of what I'm going to talk about happens before. I want to preface this before the uh, WrestleMania kickoff press conference. It's later tonight at 7 p.m. We'll talk about that a little bit later in the show. Um, but I wanted to say that in case if you click on this video after the press conference, right? Everything that I'm talking about before or, or everything that I'm talking about right now is what we know of before the press conference, right? And so um, we'll, we'll talk about what I expect will happen, what I want to happen. Uh, we'll talk about um, the Internet's, uh, what I consider an overreaction to the to this whole situation that happened last Friday, as I sort of uh, showed on Tuesday, you know, this is the, a lot of this is going to be about um, just I feel it's an overreaction how a lot of fans have dealt with the Cody Rhodes situation. Um, we're going to review NXT Vengeance Day. Um, AEW made a big announcement last night. We're going to break that down a little bit, but we're going to start the show. With another announcement made yesterday um, from the company known as Total Nonstop Action, uh, that is TNA, the newly rebranded TNA, owned by Anthem Sports. Um, and and I, I put this sort of in my note to my rundown: is TNA did what? And and what they did was they fired Scott Diamore, um, who was sort of the face of the brand the last couple of years. Um, really the last two in particular that really sort of started the sort of resurgence of of impact um, and, and what TNA was. And I, I think this is a really, really bad move by Anthem Sports. From my understanding, and I don't know a lot about this situation, but apparently there were just disagreements about, you know, money and, you know, Scott wanted to... Uh, raise the budget, you know, basically use more money to get better talent into TNA. Um, and Anthem wanted to decrease the budget. And so obviously Anthem's going to get their way. Um, I, I think this is a bad move. This is a bad move across the board. Um, you, you did this rebrand. You, you have some, some sort of big energy leaving Vegas, uh, and, in January, out of Hard to Kill, you had a pretty decent showing there. You have Nick Nemeth show up. You have, you know, Moose is one of the most underrated champions in, in wrestling at the moment um, in terms of how good he is and how over he is with, with the TNA crowd. Um, and so the, the guy responsible for this, the guy responsible for the resurgence of TNA, when you go from sort of like, you know, mainstream TNA with, you know, in its heyday with AJ Styles and Samoa Joe and Sting and, 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 and Perk Angle, uh, you know, you, you had like heyday, you know, the, the, the peak TNA 
right? You turn, you transition it into impact, and, and they they were hot for a minute with with Broken Hardy and, and Willow and Drew Galloway and EC3 and Tyrus and 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 then they started to decrease, right? People really didn't notice them. You know, Dixie really didn't know how to run the company, right? And so you get this sort of bottom, like rock bottom uh, era of, of impact where it was just nothing really interesting was happening. It wasn't right. And then Anthem takes over and again, nothing really happens, but then Scott D'Amore gets hired. He really takes over. He leads this resurgence of impact that allows them to rebrand as TNA. And then you, 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 you praise him. You reward him and all of his hard work over the last two years to, to get TNA back to a respectable brand by firing him. I think this is a bad move. Right? People in the locker room liked D'Amore. The fans liked Scott D'Amore. Um, he was a very likable person from what I'm what I'm reading and gathering. And for this, just I think Scott was right. You needed to spend a little bit more money, get better production, get better, you know, re- um, not necessarily better wrestlers, but because you have a really decent roster, but if you got bigger names, if you were able to sign a, a Nick Nemeth in a, uh, a, uh, you know, let's say they were able to full-time sign Okada or Mercedes Monet, right. And and become that third player in the wrestling industry. um, That changes the projection of your company, but instead it looks like they want to, sort of shrink the budget. Um, and, and I'm not exactly certain how that's going to work for him. I wish him the best because I really hope TNA, you know, continues to stay around, but I really think this is a bad decision. And I want to know from the more, the more hardcore fans that listen to the show, like, especially, you know, those who maybe have watched TNA in the past, what do you think of this move? Let me know in the discord. Um, that is the junkyard media group discord uh, link will be in the description of this uh, episode. But let's move on a little bit and discuss this. You know, Tony Khan promised a big announcement. He promised a big announcement um, yesterday. And it was everything that we figured it would be, right? So first off, first thing. So let's reveal what the, the, the big announcement is. And it's they created an entire special event live in TD Garden in Boston, Massachusetts, called AEW Big Business. In the graphics, Boston is spelled with two S's, B-O-S-S-T-O-N. Everybody knows exactly what this is. It's not a surprise. It is mercedes Monet's debut in AEW, and it is what it is, right? So here's, here's my first initial response, was that you put the tickets on Ticketmaster, the pre-sale details on Ticketmaster, the morning of of when, Wednesday morning, like before you announce the announcement. So if anybody you know goes and looks for AEW tickets, let's just say I wanted to go buy tickets to to was it Revolution that's coming up here in Greensboro. Let's say I wanted to go to Ticketmaster, and I wanted to buy tickets for for Revolution on March third, right? And so I search AEW. Right. And I click on AEW's ticket page and I'm just scrolling. Right. I'm just scrolling down. Uh, A lot of times, um, you know, the events are organized by by date. 
a lot of times. Um, it depends on how you filter it. Mine show up by date uh, most of the time. Um, and I'm scrolling down and I'm trying to get to March 3rd and I see March 3rd and I scroll down about 10 days to March 13th and I see AEW big business, Boston, Massachusetts pre-sale. This wasn't here last week. This must be the big announcement, right? Tony, if you're going to save a big announcement for eight, you know, eight o'clock, nine o'clock, don't put the tickets for sale until after you announce it, dude. Like you, you spoiled your own big announcement. Um, but it isn't even that big of an announcement, just like everything else. This is just another attempt to try to bring in viewers. We all knew Mercedes Monet had a, a very strong likelihood of going to AEW, especially when Naomi shows up and Sasha Banks does not. At Royal Rumble, like at that moment, I knew exactly we're not getting Mercedes Monet. I'm not butthurt about it. I don't think it's that big of a loss. I think that there's a lot of people in WWE right now that you could put your focus on. It's a lot cheaper. That isn't going to cause a lot of drama in the locker room. And, you know, you can build around someone like a Roxanne Perez, which can play that same sort of Sasha Banks gimmick. Right. Um, and so. Or not, not necessarily the Sasha Banks gimmick, but the sort of undersized um, sort of stereotype that Sasha Banks is, right? There's no one can copy the boss gimmick, um, but I don't necessarily think it's that big of a, a loss to WWE to not have Sasha Banks. Um, now, everyone sort of assumes that this is going to be where Okada debuts. Uh, it's not happening. No, it's not happening. I'm sorry. It's it's not. He's not showing up in AEW. I I will one hundred percent stand on business on this. Okada's WWE bound. He he's done. If he was going to do what AEW is, he would have just stayed in New Japan. He would have just stayed in New Japan. Why travel to America? Why move to America to work for a company that will book him the same way that New Japan has booked him? WWE is the only reason he would come over here. So Okada is not going to AEW. I don't, I don't believe one bit Okada is bound for AEW. I think if he doesn't appear, um, you know, in the near future, I think, I think there's a strong possibility stand and deliver is going to be the event he shows up at. Um, I, I honestly think that, that that's where they're headed. We'll get some pro, some vignettes. Now, I'm going to say this. I haven't watched this week's NXT yet. Um, I recorded it on Tuesday while I was, you know, while I was recording the episode with Wavy D this week on Tuesday. NXT was recording, and I haven't watched it yet. Um, so I, I'm actually going to watch it after I get done recording this. Um, none of it changes my opinions. We're not talking necessarily about NXT's product from this Tuesday. Um, but we are going to transition into a review of Vengeance Day. So let me pull up the results because it has been uh, about five days since it happened. Um, so I have had some time to sort of sit here and think about Vengeance Day. And, and I actually thought it was a very good event. Um, I have some questions about parts of a, one particular match. Um, but let's let's start with this the, the opener. Uh, the opener, um, which is Baron Corbin, Braun Breaker, the Wolf Dogs uh, versus Trick Mellow Gang for the winning winning team wins the Dusty Cup. 
Um, and Baron Corbin, Braun Breaker, Low Wolf Dogs have um, did win. They receive a future NXT championship, a tag team championship match. Um, probably at Stand and Deliver, maybe down the line. I think we got Roadblock on the way as well. Um, and so, um, yeah, I, I actually like this decision. I think the way they booked this was fantastic. They played a, a role and trick. You know, he he. I think he did a kip up and like tweaked his knee and they really put a lot of emphasis on the knee. That was for purpose. That was foretelling or, or for uh, foreshadowing. That was foreshadowing the story that was going to happen just a mere, you know, three hours later. Um, what was going to happen at the end of the show? And they set that up perfectly, right? Because a lot of people assume that the turn was going to be during the match. And I didn't. Um, I I always assumed it was going to be during the single the trick versus Dragonoff at the end of the show. Um, that that was when the turn would happen. Um, and so to sort of set that up by having tr- Trick sort of tweak the knee a little bit, um, I think I think he got busted in the mouth early in this match, and it really set up some good visual effects for the main event, which we'll talk about in a minute. But overall, this was a good match. You know, a solid performance. Um, Mello, ta- uh, Mello taking the spear from Braun Breaker at the end of the match to give them the win, you know, where he sort of jumped in the way of Trick. That, that That's some good storytelling right there. I, I, this was a roller coaster. Of, an, of a night in terms of the story because part of me thought a, a turn was going to happen, but then he took the spear and I was like, I don't know. Maybe, maybe they'll hold on to this, but I mean, and so maybe maybe they're not going to do a turn. I really had that thought for a mere split second once Carmelo ate that spear. Um, but yeah, very good match to start the card. Um, we move into Jack versus Joe Gacy. No DQ match. It wasn't bad. I just have a problem. I have a problem with no disqualification, falls count anywhere, these sort of gimmick matches that have no rules, you know, street fights. They never go to the street, right? The promo setting up to this the Tuesday before was that Joe Gacy got thrown into a a dumpster from on top of the building uh, or on top of a truck, one of the trucks, I believe, right? Why not go outside the arena, right? And throw them around, maybe throw them into a dumpster, you know, beat them in the street, beat them in the parking lot. Um, you know, this would have been a really interesting match to make a cinematic match. Um, WWE, you know, did very well in the pandemic era with 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 placing some of these cin- more cinematic matches. And I feel like they need to lean into that especially with a gimmick like Joe Gacy, right? Um, And this could have been something where instead of this being, you know, like a match that, you know, it was 12 minutes in the middle of the card, have it be, you know, segmented throughout the whole night as a no DQ match where the bell rings and they leave the arena and they start beating each other on the streets of Orlando. And 
you know, you have to continue the show. And so you move on to the next match and then you, you get a random uh, camera that follows them and updates us as they're beating the living hell out of each other in the streets of Orlando. And it could be all completely cinematic filmed um, some random night during the week, right? Over, over a period of time. And, and, and I think that would have been fun. You know, maybe it leads to, I think they could have done a lot better with this sort of setup of, of Dijak versus Gacy. Um, I like the little niche that they put Dijak in the sort of, and I don't want to really say anarchist because I don't think that's what he is, but you know, the guy who's there to be like the vigilante justice guy, right? He's, he's, he's there. He's got the, the, the nightstick. He's sort of, uh, you know, the, the evil uh, villain, but he, but he's not really necessarily evil. He's just, um, you know, he's a vigilante. And so he, he acts according to his own rules and not the rules of the system. Right. And that's, it's, I think the little gimmick that they got Dijak in the little niche where he's in, where he, he does a lot of these no DQ matches, these stronger sort of like more physical matches. I like that. I, here's my problem. Joe Gacy needs to, needs to get some wins. He never wins on these premium live events. I like the sort of touch at the end where Gacy, you know, he's losing. He lost the match. He just got beat the hell up and he's smiling at the end. Very good touch. Um, I liked I liked that part. I felt they could have done a little bit better playing to the no DQ system um, outside of just using the standardized weapons that we always get. Um, and, and I really wish they would bring back the cinematic matches. All right, so then we have the six-person mixed tag, D'Angelo family, which is Tony D'Angelo, Stax Lorenzo, and Adriana Rizzo versus Out the Mud, Lucian Price, Bronco Nima, and Jada Parker. I'm going to tell you exactly what this match was. This was a match that was meant to get experience on a bigger scale to Rizzo and Jada Parker and, and make both of them sort of mean something in the, in the women's division. Um, this, they really broke out in this match to me. It wasn't anything special, um, but this match, you know, a lot of people were upset that this wasn't just a normal tag match for the tag championships. Um, but this is more about, you know, you know, gang retaliation. I think stand and deliver will get us the tag team match in which I think out the mud will, will actually pull it out. Um, but Rizzo and Parker will probably go into, um, uh, something maybe at like roadblock or something. Um, and so. Yeah, I, I actually enjoyed this match. I'm not upset with the loss for OTM. Um, it, it, this was solely just a match to get Rizzo and Jada Parker a little bit more used to the bigger crowds outside of Orlando. And I don't know why. I'd, I, I'm going to go back. I don't know why I said that Gacy and Dijak should have fought in Orlando. They were in Clarksville, Tennessee. Let me let me Let me back this up. You could have done some Tennessee backyard wrestling with Dijak and Gacy here. You just just fight uh, randomly in in the, you know, Clarksville's only about an hour south of Nash or north of Nashville, excuse me. So you could have started the match. They left the arena in Clarksville, and this was early in the show. So an hour later, they're fighting on Broadway. 
in all the bars, right? And it's a no DQ match, so right, and you can make it falls count anywhere street match. Like, I think they could have been a little bit more creative with this match. Have them go down, you know, and you know, an hour into this, you, we lose, we lose them in the uh, beginning of the match. They they beat each other up in the ring, right? Gacy and, and Dijak then take it outside of the arena. They start fighting outside of the arena. Uh, and then, you know, you still sort of see them just, you know, the, the camera loses signal or whatever, right? Because it's starting to walk away from the arena. And again, you got, you know, as, the, as it becomes obvious that the fight's going to take place in the streets, you have to continue the show in the arena. So, you know, maybe Ava comes out and announces, you know, we'll, we'll get control of this situation, uh, but we got to continue with the show here. So let's bring out the next match. And then like an hour later, they flip the camera back and we got an update, uh, right? And it could be like NXT Anonymous uh, videotaping them, you know, bar crashing, like like fighting in, the, in, in one of the bars on Broadway, right? And... It didn't, you didn't really need a result here. Just just give us some some physicality here. It could easily have been something where uh, Dijak, you know, throws Gacy into, you know, across like a, a bar top, smashing all these glass bottles, throws them into a wall, right? The cops show up, so Dijak ditches because, you know, he he's sort of like the vig- vigilante, uh, you know, bounty hunter type guy. So he, he leaves. He escapes. Gacy leaves in handcuffs, smiling. I, I think they could have done a, done something like that, um, uh, personally. But I just wanted to make that quick quick uh, correction. Now that I thought about this. Anyway, back to D'Angelo family versus OTM. Very solid match, um, and. Um, I, I think it I think it did very well, you know, again, to get Rizzo and Jada Parker, you know, used to the bigger crowds outside of the typical NXT performance center type um, arena, which only carries like, what, a thousand to two thousand people. Um, we then have the women's championship match. And this is where I got some questions. Lola Vice. Lola Vice. Cashes in her breakout tournament in the middle of the match. I've always hated this idea that you can sort of cash in and make it a triple threat because that's not logical. There's not a single person on the earth. If you gave me a briefcase saying I can fight for the championship at any time that I want it to, there's not a, you, you, there is not enough money in the world for you to tell me, hey, cash it in in the middle of the match while they're still fighting and still somewhat healthy. No, you, you wait till they're all beaten down and you cash in. That's the whole point of having, that's the whole point of that strategy. Now, unless they're planning on moving Lola Vice into like the LWO to continue the feud with Electra on SmackDown, if they think she's ready for that. Um, but I don't understand how this makes any sense. Like Pop Rocks was hit. And then you have to go out there and perform for like a full other, like five more minutes. And 
then you lose the match anyway. I don't know. You 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 put yourself this thing from a, a logical perspective here. You cashed in at the worst time possible. You wait till Lyra hits the finisher and beats Roxanne, and they're both beaten and 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 not healthy. And then you cash in to make it a one-on-one and not a triple threat. I don't understand that. And I'm and maybe they announced something on this week's NXT that I'll watch here after I get done posting this. Um, but a lot of that doesn't make any sense to me. None at all. Um, we move forward to Oba Femi and Dragon Lee for the North American Championship. There's not a person in the world that could have told me that Dragon Lee was going to win this match. Not a person in the world. Um, Obafemi was going to retain, and he did. What a what a spectacular performance he put on. Um, there, there were moments where he was ragdolling Dragon Lee. Um, yeah, just your standard match exactly, again, to get Oba a little bit more exposure to the bigger crowds. Oba's a star, dude. He's a star in the making. He's got this. He's transitioned in less than a year, I I believe, from what track and field at Alabama to WWE. He transitioned. He is a success story of the NIL program. Of of right, this is what WWE is going to do for the future of their brand. Yeah, they'll bring in Okada. Yeah, they'll bring in established stars on the indie scene. But this is where they're getting their future. Tiffany Stratton, uh, Oba Femi, Braun Breaker, um, Gable Stevenson, if he ever actually shows back up. <laughs> um, right, This is going to be the future of their developmental program. Hey, join us in the NIL program. We'll pay you to play your college sport. We'll give you some press. You can represent WWE that way. And then when you're done, Come to our performance center when you're not drafted by the NFL or if you're in a sport like track and field or swimming and you're not going to make the Olympics. Come join us at the performance center. We'll turn you into a superstar. And you want to be an actor or an actress or you want to make it in some other industry. Well, we'll give you those skills and we'll give you the name credibility and we'll make you a star. But hey, maybe maybe you turn out to be a very good wrestler. And you can make it in this business like a Trick Williams. Trick Williams played football for South Carolina. And now he's the biggest baby face in NXT. And if this Cody thing wasn't happening, I would say the biggest baby face in the industry. Trick, Trick Williams may be the most over person in the entire wrestling industry. And he's not one of these guys who, who put time on the indies. He's not. Oba Femi's not one of these guys who put time on the indies. You don't have to do that. Right? And in fact, if you if you have this pathway to make it straight to the WWE because you're an athlete, I ain't got no I ain't got no beef for you. There's a lot of people who are like, well, they didn't put their time. And there's there's so many people who put in their you know, they earned their way and and they earned their 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 stripes and they've put in 20 years and okay. If you're 20 years in and you haven't been contacted by WWE, you're doing something wrong. That's just how I look at it. Right? Because there's better athletes out there. 
There's better entertainers out there, right? They're not going to take everybody. It's it's completely fair for WWE to do it the way they want to do it. And Oba Femi, man, he's a star in the making. Trick Williams, star in the making. Braun Breaker, ex-football player, ex-NFL player, made practice squad for the Ravens. Like, the dude could make it in the league if he wanted. If he didn't play fullback, like, because Kennesaw State, I think, is where Braun Breaker went to college, and they still ran the fullback. He wasn't like your natural running back, right? But if Braun Breaker played like tight end or was a little bit smaller and could play uh, running back, he'd be in the league still. Dude's quick. 21 miles an hour against the ropes. Dude runs the ropes the fastest I've ever seen. This is the future of wrestling for WWE. Is the the athlete. Not the indie star. The athlete. But then we get to the main event. Dragunov versus Trick Williams. And, and, and I don't necessarily care about the match. There were some good visuals. Again, Trick had busted his mouth open earlier in the in his the tag match, and so he gets a little rocked in the face, and he's bleeding, and it presents a good visual. He's getting the shit beat out of him. And uh, Dragunov, you know, he hit, uh, I, I forget what the, the name of his finisher is, but he hits it like four times throughout the match, and it doesn't put Trick away, and there's just that moment you think Trick is is going to pull through. Uh, inadvertently, Carmelo sort of accidentally... Runs into his knee again, again, setting up what was about to happen. But then I don't really care about the result of the match. Dragunov winning doesn't hurt my feelings. I'm a little bit confused where they take the story because to me it felt like, but then, but then, you know, five days removed from it, it makes a little bit of sense. Why would you have Mello versus Trick for the championship? And I think Trick may be one of those people who are going to get the call up sort of similar to like Alexa Bliss who did never won the NXT championship, similar to Becky Lynch, right? Until, you know, this year, this past year, Becky didn't win the NXT championship, right? And so I think Trick Williams may get a call up to SmackDown and not need the NXT championship to get that promotion, right? Um, he's the most, he's the second most over babyface in the company right now. His music hits on this Friday at SmackDown. The entire building here in Charlotte's going to erupt. Whoop that trick. Whoop that, right? If, if Trick Williams comes to SmackDown, first off, I'm going to be hella excited if Trick Williams shows up this Friday. I doubt it, but I kind of hope he does because I thoroughly believe right now Trick Williams versus Carmelo Hayes, put it on WrestleMania. Don't put it on stand and deliver. Put it on WrestleMania. Let it shine. It, it'll be the biggest match on the card outside of whatever, you know, Roman versus Rock, maybe Cody versus Rollins if that's where we're headed, right? But it would immediately be more important than anything, you know, Logan Paul could do, any of the mid-card matches, any of the women's matches, to be honest. Like, outside of Roman Rock, Trick Williams, Carmelo Hayes will be the biggest match of the weekend. When it happens at Stand and Deliver, put it on the WrestleMania card. Put it on the WrestleMania card. Make two superstars. A grudge match, no title needed. 
this could be a feud that you have on SmackDown for the for the next, you know, three to four months. And you got a star in Trick Williams here. You can immediately start to build some believable challengers to Roman Reigns. Um Carmet, right? I don't know, you know, Roman needs to sort of disappear. As much as I like Roman, Roman is sort of a cog in this system of who could be champion. Because once Roman loses that title, if it goes to Cody Rhodes or if it goes to someone, right? The picture for who is in the title picture, right? That picture opens up and expands a little bit more, right? Because Roman can only face a certain type of person at this point. Like he's not going to allow Trick Williams to challenge him, right? He's not relevant enough for Roman Reigns, right? And so I just I want them to finish Roman Reigns in the bloodline the proper way, and so I'm, I'm, I'm going to hold out. But once it happens, two things are going to happen once Roman Reigns loses the belt. The first thing is, well, three things. The first is he's going to retire. I'm sorry, but that's the truth. I've been saying this for the last three years. This is Roman's last run. This is Roman's last run. When he loses the title, there isn't no coming back as some super baby face because he gets turned on by the bloodline and he's going to come back and have the have have the, the fans cheer for him. You don't come back from this type of gimmick and have the fans cheer for you. Um unless you you create a bigger heel that absolutely d- just completely makes R- Roman Reigns coming back as a baby fakes make sense. Um, but the second thing that's going to happen after Roman retires is that the title picture for the Universal Championship opens up. It becomes a little bit more believable for an AJ Styles to be Cody Rhodes or Solo Sokoa or whoever takes the title from him. Right, becomes a little bit more believable for Styles and LA Knight and Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams and and all the all the you know Karrion Cross and all of them to go against someone like Cody Rhodes, then against someone like Roman Reigns who has this specific gimmick that needs specific criteria to meet for a story to make sense with. Right, and then the third thing that's going to happen. And this isn't necessarily for the wrestlers, it's for the fans. Is that everybody who has been shitting on Roman Reigns for the last three years, they're going to have the immediate relief of, oh my God, that's over. But within six months, I guarantee you, once Roman loses the title, within six months of him losing the title, the fans are going to be, we want Roman. We miss Roman Reigns. I honestly believe that that will happen. Roman's going to retire. He won't come back. He's going to go Hollywood. And the fans are going to want Roman Reigns back because this is the best story we've gotten in a decade. And I know it's sort of monotonous and it feels like it's repetitive. But when it's over, y'all are going to realize how much you took it for granted because we're not going to get another story like this. I just don't see it happening. And y'all are going to wish that the story continued the way it, you know, this is why I've always been a big fan of never ending the bloodline but just getting rid of Roman Reigns, right? Because the bloodline story, right, is, is you know, something you could continue forever. Um, 
and it, 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 it's been an integral part of, of wrestling and the experience of being a WWE fan for going on four years. Um, but overall, NXT, Vengeance Day, solid event. Um, the turn. Let's talk about the turn real quick, though. I think we have the next big heel. I do. I think we have the biggest heel in NXT definitely is now Carmelo Hayes. But I think he could transition into SmackDown as this heel character and go in and and immediately join the United States title picture. Um, whether it's, uh, you know, after Melo and all of them, obviously. And I think Logan Paul's dropping the title to LA Knight at Mania. So you have LA Knight as U.S. champion and immediately throw out Carmelo Hayes against him after Mania, heading in the backlash, put Carmelo Hayes there. That's a match that I, that would be great, right? Absolutely wonderful match that that would be. Um, Carmelo's a little bit shaky in the mic, not a bad promo. LA Knight would probably carry those promos, which is where he where he benefits. When you put LA Knight in a situation where he's equal to or less than someone else on the mic, he doesn't really shine. And so LA Knight really needs to be put on someone who's not necessarily the best promo so that he can carry the promo um, to we, that he can get that shine. Um, but let's go into the main event of, of this episode. The whole reason we're doing it, right? And it's a, sec, a section that I'm calling this, this little segment here is Dear IWC. <laughs> to, quote, to quote Rock, know your role, shut your damn mouth. And let me explain. I am so tired. <laughs> it's been a week almost since Rock came and, you know, stared down with Roman. And I'm so tired of the complete overreaction that the IWC, and when I say the IWC, understand that I'm talking about an umbrella term that means all wrestling fans on the internet. Right, you could call yourself a casual. You're a member of the CWC, or whatever you want to. Right, and 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 I'm a casual. I'm in the CWC, so there's no hate to that group. But you're still, you know, a sub tier of the overall arching IWC. You're nothing special. You're not a separate group. You're you're a sub a subgroup within. You're a subcategory within the overarching IWC. Let's let's get that pretty straightforward right but i'm just so tired of the iwc casual or hardcore aew or wwe right the complete overreaction oh they're they're screwing cody Rhodes. no they're not calm down calm down let it play out the complete overreaction of the fan base the complete flip floppiness I mentioned that in my last little solo episode that I did by myself last week about CM Punk and the flip-floppy fans. And you guys go out again. Let's see, what day was that? That was that was a Friday? I believe that was a Friday. Uh, last Friday that I made that. And within 24 hours, you guys are being flip-floppy again. This time with The Rock. The Rock came out. Today is February 8th, 
um, when I'm recording this, January the 9th, I believe it was. January the 9th. Let me let me make sure I got that date right. Um, you know, you don't want to be wrong. Maybe maybe it's not right. Because no, January 9th was a Tuesday. So maybe it was the 12th. Maybe it was the 5th. Who cares? Uh, it was the 5th because it was the... Um, it was the sort of like opening year episode of SmackDown. Um, yeah, it was New Year's Res- Revolution is what they called it. Um, um, Or maybe who cares? Who cares what the date was? Um, but the point is, um, about a month ago, The Rock came out and he interrupted Jinder Mahal and basically buried Jinder Mahal. And he he did some promo work. Um, he did some promo work. Asking like, should the Rock do this or should the should the Rock do that? Maybe it wasn't. Maybe it wasn't SmackDown. Maybe that's why I'm tripping. Maybe he was on a raw. I do believe it was on a raw. Now that I now that I now that I'm thinking of it, that's why I can't find it. I'm a trip until I find uh this episode. Was it January first? Yeah, January first. There it is. So the first day of 2024. So a month and a week, 37 days ago, just about. The Rock showed up in San Diego on day one, raw day one, right? January 1st, 2024. Completely buried Jinder Mahal. Did this little promo. Should The Rock go out and, and, and sit at a booth? Or should the rock sit at a t- at the head of the table, right? And on January first, every single fan in the universe was what was was pumping adrenaline through their veins. Saying they wanted this match. It's happening. Rock versus Roman's happening. And, and literally a month later, we're getting the match. And it's now the worst thing to ever happen. Rock screwing Cody Rose, blah, blah. Y'all realize that The Rock showed up January 1st. And two days later, Wednesday, January the 3rd, The Rock was signed the deal to join the board of directors. It wasn't reported. I think the reporting of it was simply a headline thing to sort of salvage something in the Vince McMahon thing. But 
plus you also do realize to get on a board of directors, it's got to be approved. It's got to uh, by like the FCC. There's some government oversight that I under that I I believe happens, right? And so it probably couldn't be announced until it was actually official. But this whole idea started in January, prior to the Royal Rumble. And y'all are sitting here bitching. They're they're screwing Cody, this, that, and the third. And this has been in plan since January the 3rd. Y'all are playing right into the hand that they wanted you to play. You are reacting the exact way WWE is programming you to react. You are doing exactly what they want you to do. They want you to make Cody Rhodes a martyr because of y'all. I, I, I don't know. I, and I hate to assume that there are that everyone that listens to the show has watched wrestling for a decade or more like I have. Right. But this is pretty simple to see what they're doing. I understand there's a lot of people who have gotten into wrestling over the last decade that didn't watch WrestleMania 30. But this is exactly what they're doing. They are making Cody Rhodes the next Daniel Bryan. And as someone who was a proud member of the Yes Movement, Daniel Bryan was my favorite wrestler from 2014 till his retirement shortly after before he came back. Daniel Bryan was my favorite wrestler. My favorite character. I was solely behind him. I understand the psychology that they that they uh that they use to get you to that point. And while that may be a, a diversion, you know the yes movement was a real thing. What WWE is trying to do is recreate that magic with Cody Rhodes. They are making Cody Rhodes the next John Cena. They are making Cody Rhodes the next Daniel Bryan. And you are feeding directly into what they want you to do. You are playing your role the way they want you to. You are making Cody Rhodes a martyr. Now, let's think logically about the situation because that's what I like to do. I'm a logical person. Um, I was told by someone the other day that um, basically, you know, he understands how I feel because like a lot of times, like mentally, like if, if, if there's not an intellectual conversation to be had, I will pull away from the conversation or from right. Because I need someone to match that energy. I need someone to think logically. I need someone to think intellectually. I need someone to draw to, to draw a conclusion and then expand their collusion to the furthest extent of the conclusion, similar to how I did, you know, a year ago with Omos, where I took my conclusion about Omos live here on the show, took my conclusion about Omos, extended it to its furthest extent, right? And not a lot of people think this way. And so it is harder for me to maintain conversation. And someone says, I know why. I know why you're this way. Right. I was told by someone that, that, you know, you require stimulation intellectually. And he's right. 
I think, intellectually about everything, including this television show we call WWE. So let's think logically from the storyline perspective, because this is where I think the big confusion happens. The confusion happens is, is, is hardcore and casual alike. They tr- So the hardcore fan wants it to be a sport, and so they treat it like a sport. And the casual fan only knows the world of sport. They don't truly understand that it is an art form from its very initiation as a business, as an industry. Pro wrestling has always been a circus act. It's always been something that wasn't considered sport. It was considered an art form. It was considered a form of entertainment. It, you know, WWE is closer to Yellowstone or Game of Thrones than it is, you know, the NFL or UFC, right? And it's always been that way. It's always been about the entertainment in the story. So let's think logically about it from a storyline perspective. From a storyline perspective, there has been nothing in the last year. And everyone's like, well, you've taken two years to build Cody and you've wasted it. No, 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 no. Listen, when in the last year have we really planted any seed that Cody Rhodes would be going after Roman Reigns? In storyline, there hasn't been. There hasn't been anything in the last year that states that Cody Rhodes was even interested in the World Heavyweight Championship. But let's also think storyline-wise. Over the last year, since he lost to Roman at WrestleMania 39, is Cody Rhodes more over or less over than he was in WrestleMania 39? I would argue to say he's a little just a tad bit, you know, and, and by a tad bit, I mean like a thousand and ten percent more over as a baby face, more liked as a baby face. This year than he was last year. But let's remove Cody from the picture here. Let's focus on Roman. Let's focus on Roman for a minute. Storyline-wise, what would make more sense for Roman Reigns to go against Cody again and beat him? You destroy Cody Rhodes that way. Because let's just be honest, guys. This is Roman Reigns' last run. I just mentioned that, right? He's getting the Hulk Hogan record. Or they're going to get us as damn close as possible. Because I got an idea. And it's not my idea. I got to give credit to it when I when I express it. Um, but we're going to express this idea here in a minute after I finish this thought. But would it make more sense in the storyline, understanding that this record's probably going to be Roman Reigns, and, th- and that record isn't broken until September the 13th? Would it not make sense that... You would put a part-timer like The Rock and make a moment at WrestleMania rather than having Cody lose again for a second year in a row? Would it not make more sense strategically 
financially, story, uh, you know, um, booking wise, uh, right? This this makes a whole lot more sense. Y'all are overreacting. You got to be patient. Let, let, but let me let me tell this idea now. Now I originally heard this idea from Jim Cornette, but upon sharing it in several discords. Um, I have come to find out that this idea was all apparently told to me by Discord member Kara Danvers. Shout out to her. Sorry for not recognizing that this was your idea and trying to hijack it. Not my intention. Uh, but um, let me tell you this. I was listening to Jim Cornette speak this out. And the entire time I'm he I'm hearing and I'm like, damn, Jim, you cooking. Jim Cornette is cooking. And I'm not the biggest Jim Cornette fan, right? I think he's a little bit too over-obsessed with, with Vince Russo. And his hatred for Vince Russo is a little weird to me. Anyone that wants to sort of, you know, try to stay alive long enough to piss on someone's grave, that's a little weird to me, dude. That's just a little weird to me. Um, But I think Jim Cornette understands the business. He sees the business through a similar lens that I see the business. And so I listen to him. And this idea, I'm going to give credit to both Jim Cornette and Discord member Kara Danvers. Shout out to you again. Um, the idea essentially is this. At WrestleMania 40, it is The Rock versus Roman Reigns. But it's not for the title because this match never needed the title involved. But it is for the position of tribal chief, head of the table. This is something that happens in tribes, you know, throughout history. Whenever there's the younger, uh, you know, and I don't want to say younger because uh, this is sort of the position The Rock is playing, but whenever there's, or is it, or is it though? Because th let's understand the situation that we have here. Right? There's always going to be that guy, you know, you have your chief. He's typically been chief for a while. He's, he's older, he's wiser. He, he makes all the laws and, and you're the younger guy who thinks he's king and thinks he knows better than the chief. And so, and, and, and whether it's native American, whether it's, you know, sub sub South African or South American or name any tribal, you know, whether it's Samoan, Native American, Central, Southern American, African, go visit a tribe somewhere. You know, Middle Eastern, there's tribes in the Middle East, Asian, you know, there's tribes everywhere, right? No matter what culture you're from, if, 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 if there's a challenge to the chief and he goes to war, it's a duel, typically they it's a battle to the death and the winner becomes chief. That's what this is. That's what this needs to be. Who becomes the tribal chief? Does Roman remain the tribal chief? Is Roman actually really the tribal chief? Or is he this young guy who thinks he's better than the tribal chief and he needs to respect the rock, who is the actual tribal chief? Right? And so what, what happens is, and, and how does Roman's matches typically happen? Right? Stare down, walk around for a minute couple bumps a ref bump uh in which solo and jimmy you know super kick and samoan spike 
the opponent, a new ref comes out conveniently right after all that happens. Roman hits a spear, one, two, three, match over, right? Interference, right? And that's a great model for Roman's matches. But what happens at WrestleMania? You, you do this match, and this starts to happen. And as it's starting to happen, and, and the ref gets bumped, and maybe even after a super kick to the rock, or I would probably say a Samoan spike would probably be easier to sell than a super kick. Who knows? But rock, rock can sell some super kicks, though. If I don't want him to get hurt, though right trying to oversell it but even if rock maybe gets Samoan spiked and the ref takes a bump and then solo and and jay or excuse me jimmy start to try to beat down the rock and then all of a sudden cody rhodes music hits and he stops this from happening And he stops this attack and he brings out a new ref and he takes out the bloodline. And maybe he helps by doing a move or so to Roman, maybe a crossroads to Roman, which sets up the people's elbow, which then sets up the rock winning and pinning Roman Reigns at WrestleMania, which then therefore makes the rock tribal chief. Not champion, but tribal chief. That's the more important position here. So you end WrestleMania 40 with Roman Reigns no longer the declared tribal chief. You then go on to the next SmackDown after. And The Rock comes out to start the show. And he declares himself tribal chief. He then declares uh, Jimmy and Solo and Roman and Paul Heyman to come to the ring to acknowledge him as the tribal chief. And 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 every and they don't. They don't. They don't initially take two. They're still under the Roman spell, right? Roman still got some control over them. But The Rock, as the official tribal chief, makes the the sort of declaration that Jimmy and Solo can no longer be ringside nor interfere in any of Roman Reigns' matches. And if they do... But actually, let's pause for a minute. Roman's not there. I wouldn't have Roman there after WrestleMania. I'd have him on the island, sort of secluded, and it would just be Jimmy and Solo. And they do acknowledge Rock as tribal chief. What else are you going to do? You're standing up in front of your chief, right? You have to acknowledge him. And he makes the declaration. They are no longer to help Roman Reigns in his matches. Roman Reigns has to do it alone when he defends the title. Now, Roman's next match is probably going to be Cody Rhodes, right? And The Rock does does declare that. The next defender of the championship will be Cody Rhodes, and that match will be at SummerSlam. So at SummerSlam, wherever they announce it to be, you get Cody Rhodes versus Roman Reigns. 
and and the rock makes the declaration as tribal chief that it's been signed off by Nick Aldis as GM that if Jimmy or Solo interfere in, in the match, Roman Reigns has to forfeit the title. It's not just a DQ. He forfeits the title. And this is that way through every match that he's in for the rest of his run. Now, Roman has no backup. Now, at SummerSlam, now, I would do SummerSlam live from Madison Square Garden. Honestly, I would. At SummerSlam, Madison Square Garden, Cody Rhodes in the house his daddy built and the, wins the title his daddy got stolen from him. That's how you finish the story. That's how Cody Rhodes lives up to the words of, I'm taking everything from you, Roman. I'm taking your title. I'm taking your, your bloodline. I'm taking your position as tribal chief. I'm taking all of it. And at the end, I'm taking your career. Because once Roman loses the title, he's leaving. And now you, you, you have Cody Rhodes headlining Madison Square Garden, the house where his dad made his name, winning the title his dad can never win in a more sentimental moment than winning it in Philadelphia. That's how you build two storylines this year that actually mean something. That's how you actually finish the story. And instead of this, well, Cody needs to win it now. No, no, no. Patience, young Padawan. Let's be patient. Let's let's draw this out. Let's make this something special. Let's make moments, not matches. That's all that matters. That's all that matters. That's all that matters. Because y'all been clamoring for this match for three years, and now that it's happening, y'all hate it. Y'all flip-floppy. Stop it. Take the emotion out of it. Take, you know, be passionate. That's fine. Be passionate. That's fine. But think logically. Put some logic into how you react. Remove all the straight emotion. Stop sending death threats. Stop crying because Cody Rhodes isn't going to be against Roman Reigns. So it looks. We'll see at this press conference. Let's talk about this for a minute. What do I expect? I expect SummerSlam to be announced. I expect Vegas to be the, the location for WrestleMania 41. I know the rumor was Minnesota, but if Vegas is on the board, you're putting it in Vegas. So I expect Vegas to be the location for Mania 41. I expect them to announce the SummerSlam location. Like I just said, I would do it in Madison Square Garden. Um. And yeah, that that's that's like it, in in what twenty minutes, thirty minutes. I just told you guys how to book this. 
to where every where WWE can get their cake, they can have it, but they can also eat it. You get Rock and Roman at WrestleMania, big headline moment. But then you have a Madison Square Garden PLE, which I don't even know the last time they did a PLE in Madison Square Garden. The, the biggest arena in sports entertainment history is Madison Square. The most important, the most historic arena in WWE history is Madison Square Garden to the point that I don't think any other company can run the garden. I think it's 100% exclusive to WWE in part as part of the contract. No one else runs the garden in sports entertainment. You sell out the garden. You build Cody as this 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 martyr for the next six months. And at SummerSlam, the story is finally finished. Just give it some patience. Let it mean something. Let it mean something. Because I would do that. And and now you're saying, well, that that, that means Roman doesn't get the record. Aha! Uh-huh. What does what else is what else is Cody taken from Roman? He took the tribal chief position. He took the universal championship. He took the bloodline. He took the record. He took his career. He literally took everything from Roman Reigns. And in a moment that will immediately make justice out of a three-year reign of tyranny, right? It all gets summed up in the garden where Cody Rhodes defeats Roman Reigns. Could you ask, could you ask for a better moment than that? And you have the two biggest matches of the decade in the same year, Rock versus Roman, and then Cody versus Roman too. Y'all can't do anything better than that. That's how you make money. That's how you make a storyline that actually makes sense and isn't emotional dri- dri- emotionally driven. It isn't changing your booking because of the reaction of the fans. That's what Tony Khan does. Tony Khan changes his storylines because the fans want him to change it on the dime. That's not good booking. People can hate on Triple H for booking six, seven months in advance. That's how I would book. I would book, I'm I'm, I'm being completely honest. I would book an entire year in advance. And if an injury happens, then you you have contingency plans also booked. But if I was sort of, you know, Triple H, if I was Triple H, at the end of the year, so Survivor Series, ha- Survivor Series happens in November. I would comp- I would um, give the entire month of December off to my wrestlers. And but what about Raw being the longest continue? First of all, I don't actually care about that. But what we would do is just do best of the year shows for the last month of the year. You know, best best male wrestler of the year, one week. Best, you know, female wrestler of the year, next week. Best tag team, you you know, have a whole, you know, best matches, best moments type thing that you can have. You only need eight of them because there's, there's eight shows between Raw and SmackDown in December. So you can do be- fem- best uh, female wrestlers, best male wrestlers, best tag team, best moment, best matches, 
right? Do best of the year for December. And through the month behind the scenes, I'm pulling my booking team together and saying we're booking for the year of 2024. Here's where we're at now at the end of 2023. Here's where we are going to be at the end of 2024. Let's book the next 12 months. That's how I would book. And let's book contingencies. If so-and-so gets hurt, how do we fix this? Right? If so-and-so, if something happens to so-and-so, right? And let, let's let's put it in stone. This is where we're headed. Here's where we're going. One, that gives, I believe, the wrestlers a direction to point their storyline in and their promos in for 12 months. Two, you're not doing all this random change and shit. You're telling a story. Like, again, Tony Khan is the type of booker that changes on a week-to-week basis, right? And here's what happened. Here's what's happened, right? Every wrestling fan, especially the hardcore fans, expects Triple H to book the same way Triple H books. Or excuse me, for Triple H to book the same way Tony Khan books. And Tony Khan has no idea what the hell he's doing. Triple H, let him be methodical. Let him book ahead. Let him have things set in stone. He's he's got it understood. The fans don't actually know what the hell they're talking about. They need to know their role and shut their damn mouth. And what's your role as a fan? Because this is a contested idea. What's your role as a fan? If you're in the arena, you boo for the bad guys. You cheer for the good guys, right? That's the simple role that you have as an audience member at a wrestling show. Dominic Mysterio's music hits. Doesn't matter if he's your favorite wrestler. You boo him. Roman Reigns' music hits. You stand up. You acknowledge him. And then when he does does a heel tactic, you boo him. When he when, when Solo gets involved in his match, you boo him. When Cody Rhodes' music hits, you do the whoa, right? You play your role and you shut your damn mouth. That doesn't mean you have to like everything they do. I don't like every storyline WWE does, but at the end of the day, it's a storyline. I I don't sit here and critique NCIS for doing stupid storylines. You know, people are still bitching about the end of Game of Thrones. I'm be honest with you, I've never even watched it, so I don't even know about it. Don't care to watch it. Don't actually right. But if if, if you're gonna let the ending of a show affect you know your your daily life if that's going to upset you enough to complain about it i don't know just personally i find that a little bit weird right there are there are several shows so i'll i'll say it this way my favorite show a couple of years ago was a show called mr robot the ending of the show was was pretty bad i'll be honest with you i yeah i put in it was four seasons long but it took about two two years in between seasons for them to film it. It felt like like a year to two years in between seasons before we got the next season. So this was like a six year process of, of me watching Mr. Robot. And the ending kind of sucked, but you know what happened? You know what happened? I watched the ending. The show ended. I turned the TV off. I said to myself, hmm, that kind of sucked. And I moved on with my life. I didn't go on social media. 
I didn't go cry about it on Twitter. I, I'm not going to post about it on, on X four, four years after the show ends. That, oh, I'm still upset that Mr. Robot didn't end the way that I wanted it to end. Because that's not my job. My job is to watch the show. And if I don't like it, stop watching. But if I do like it and I enjoy it, watch it. But if, if they do something that doesn't really make much sense to me, or maybe isn't the way that I would have done it, I'm not the producer. That's not my job. My job isn't to critique. Like, I hate people who critique shows. I, 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 I just have this... I don't understand it, right? I know people who would go into movies with with like a notebook to write down everything that they disliked about a movie. I don't understand that mindset. <clears throat> I don't. I don't like I, I have I had a friend who he used to do like movie reviews. Um and like I I don't understand this mindset of going in and looking to find things to critique. I don't. I don't get this mindset. Watch them. Like, I'll be honest. Like, I watch movies that I think that I will enjoy. I mean, I mean, I've, I've seen some pretty shitty movies. The last one that I saw that was really bad that I thought was going to be good based on the trailer was Napoleon. And and and, and it was it was bad. And like, like the guy sat there the entire time. It was like I really wasted my money, and because I paid money for this, I'm gonna I'm gonna see this thing through. But this is a bad movie, and if someone asks me about it, I'll tell them I didn't like it. But I'm, uh, but you know what I didn't do? I didn't go to Twitter and bitch about it for a month about how bad it was. I made a tweet saying that that hey, just, I wouldn't watch the movie. I thought it was bad, but it, it was. But I made one tweet, and that was it. I moved on. Right, and that tweet was really based out of just an emotional response that typically I don't make, and and I made it while in the movie theater. If I would have waited two hours, I would have gotten over it, and I wouldn't have made that tweet. Right. My point is, the fans are too overly emotional. These are scripted storylines that don't mean anything in the grand scheme of everything, right? And so I, I think we, I think we need to really understand that. And I think the biggest problem that we have, and I think there's one problem for the hardcores and one problem for the casuals. And and I'm gonna be completely honest here. I think the hardcore fans, their problem is they see the pro the product as an extension of their personality right a lot of them see wrestling as an extension of who they are and because this moment got taken from them they feel like it's a personal assault on their personality and it's not they're not coming after you dude they're telling a story and the problem with the casuals, for the most part, and I'm not going to say all casuals, but the problem for a lot of casuals is that they try to compare WWE to something like a UFC or to the NFL, and they see it as a sport. And it's not. This is an art. This is a circus act. 
right? This is a circus. You're not going to go to the circus and get pissed off because the tiger got replaced by the elephant. No, that's the way the show was supposed to be presented that night. I just, I don't know. I, I think people have a real problem understanding what wrestling really is at its core. What it's always been. It's performers putting on an act to entertain you. Has it been emotional at times? Sure. There can be stories that can be pretty emotional. But when the emotion leaves the event and goes online and, and it affects your daily life and and you try to hijack NXT and you try to hijack Raw and you try to hijack every show, you're not doing anything special, guys. They're handing out signs. They want you to chant, we want Cody, because that's what they're trying to portray. Cody Rhodes is the next Daniel Bryan. And it's manufactured, and they make it seem right now that it's organic, that the, the fans are uprising, but this is the exact result that they wanted. The, the Rock was smiling backstage after the event. I'm certain of it. I'm sure, I'm sure Raw went on the air. And we want Cody chance happened and the rock was watching from his, from the boardroom or from his, his private jet, wherever he was flying. And he was smiling his ass off and triple H I'm sure was smiling his ass off. We got him. They think it's organic, but we got the result we wanted and they played you. They played you. They got you, bitch. They got you. You gave them the exact result they wanted. And the problem with the wrestling fans, and especially casual fans, I'm going to be completely honest, uh, you know, as a member of the casual wrestling community, I hold no loyalty to this group. I will critique them when I want to. I will critique casual fans. I will critique hardcore fans. I will critique the fan base when and how I want to. I'm going to tell you the truth. Because what we have out here a lot of times is you, in, in the wrestling podcasting world, what you have is you have a lot of people who try to play to their brand. Just like any other industry, they try to play to their brand. And if they're trying to create a podcast for hardcore fans, they're going to they're going to try to tell the hardcore fans how to feel, you know, you should you're completely justified in your anger towards the rock. No, no you're not. They're not going to tell you the truth of the matter. Right. And, and what we have a lot in the wrestling podcasting world is a lot of just marks who don't understand the business, who think they understand the business, who who, who talk about the product. And we got some guys who have been in the business that I that I listen to, and maybe they have the same response that. But again, they're playing to their brand, they're playing to their audience a lot of times. Right. And then what you have on the casual side is you have guys who are trying to play to that brand of. Well, well, I'm, 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 I'm for the casual audience and, and I'm going to tell the casual audience, you know, I got to try to play to this audience and, and I'm not playing to my audience. I'm not, we're going to disagree on a lot of things, honestly, right? I see wrestling very differently than a lot of casual fans, a lot of hardcore fans. It's entertainment. It's not serious. It's fake. It's scripted. 
the results are predetermined. None of this affects my livelihood. And at the end of the day, I get on this mic to talk about the story that we're being presented. I'm If I ever get on here and complain hypocritically, like if, if I become the hypocrite and I get on here and I just start complaining about, oh, Triple H, you shouldn't have done this. My favorite should have won. If I ever do that, y'all call me out on that shit. But I, get, I talk about wrestling from the storyline that we're given. When I do my fantasy booking, it's from the... I, I, I don't sit here and try to recreate history. No, no, no. I fantasy book logically with the results that we have been given. Right. Because that's the only way you can logically fantasy book. It, I think it's okay to put logic in this and remove all the emotion. That doesn't mean I don't get when when Trick Williams, you know, was literally a two point nine nine nine. I about jumped out of my chair. I get emotional. I get passionate. But when the show is over, I turn the TV off, and it doesn't affect me. But then the next show happens. And I get back in that mindset of, of being a fan and doing my role. Because my role as a fan is to respond to their story because they're portraying a story. I need you to understand when you're live in that venue, you're a character. You're a character. You're the crowd. And the crowd needs to respond the way the crowd should respond. Bad guy comes out, you boo him. Good guy comes out, right? This isn't removing your autonomy. This isn't removing your free will as a human being. This is just saying you're a part of the show and you need to know your role and you need, and you need to shut your mouth. But that being said, this Friday I will be at SmackDown live from the Spectrum Center in Charlotte, North Carolina. If you're going to go to the show, let me know. We can meet up. But when you step into that arena, when I step in the Spectrum Center on Friday night, tomorrow night, when I step in the Spectrum Center, I'm no longer, you know, we too deep the human being who has a life and just left work. I'm now we too deep the SmackDown cast member or crowd member who has a role to play as I sit in that seat. And that is to help the story get over. That is to cheer for the good guy when evil gets uh, vanquished and to boo when evil takes over. That's my role. It isn't to cheer when I want to cheer and boo when I want to boo. It isn't to hijack the show with, with chants that don't mean nothing. It's to play my role and to shut my mouth. Cheer when they want me to cheer. Boo when they want me to boo. React when they want me to react. That's how I view fandom, man. I'm a, right. And when I leave the arena, I can have my opinions about it. And we'll discuss the opinions about it on this show. But when I'm in the arena, I have a role to play. This isn't the NFL when you can boo whenever you want because the team sucks. You're telling a story here. 
right? So people complain about piped in noise or, or silencing the mics in the crowd. Yeah, they're trying to convince a story to a TV audience. They're trying to get people interested or interested in a good guy or to boo the bad guy. They got a story they got to tell. And the crowd has a role to play in that. And if you're reacting wrongly, you're hurting the story. And until we see wrestling in that way, I think social media, I think this idea that we can just hijack shows. I think the indie audience, like the independent audience, like if you go to an indie show where they just clap and cheer whenever they want, I think that's hurting professional wrestling more than it's helping. They're telling a story. It is your job to help convey that. That's how I feel about it. And if you disagree, that's fine. We can have disagreements about it. And I would love to have these conversations in the Discord. The link's in the description. Thank you guys again for listening to my hour and a half long rant about this. Um, last little thing. I think I talked about it a little bit. I expect WrestleMania 41 to be in Vegas. I think that's going to be announced tonight. I will be watching this press conference. I can't wait for it. I will be vocal in the Discord tonight as it is going on. I'm getting links in the description. Go to junkyardmediagroup.com as well to find all the podcasts here on the junkyard media group as well as some blog posts that we have done um you could find me at we too deep 413 on x instagram um i think those are the only two apps that i that i really use um tiktok tiktok as well we too deep 413 um again that's we too deep 413 on the social media platforms um Thanks again for listening. Uh, tune in tonight to the Junkyard Media Group's their, their separate YouTube page for the Junkyard Media Group as Beyond the Junkyard, hosted by Junkyard James and Cody. Um, will be, I think they're doing an Ask Me Anything. They got some questions from the Discord that they're going to answer tonight. Um, go ahead and check that out tonight, 9 p.m. Eastern Time. That press conference should be over, so hop on over to the YouTube and watch the Junkyard Media Group uh, Beyond the junkyard podcast um and i hope you guys enjoy the rest of your week we'll see you guys on tuesday um and signing out here this is we too deep i hope you guys really do have a great rest of your week brother i'm going run around hulk hogan if i like it's a moment